Hello, welcome to the next edition of Spotlight, the Star Trek podcast looking at the universe from a non-Trekkie perspective. I'm your host, Paul Wilson. You said I'm your host, Paul Wilson. Yeah. You, uh, you'd say, and this is. Oh, yeah, no, okay, let's get to <laughs> And I'm the co-host of this podcast, Paul Wilson, with my usual co-hosts. Yeah, just remember, you're the fucking co-host! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my name's Liam Dempsey. Hello, I'm Matt. I almost forgot my name. Yeah, I'm well. so stunned by the fact we are sat around the captain's table. We are back in business, baby. Back, we baby. Each other the Delta variant, like it's gonna be great. <laughs> I'm going into the Delta quadrant with the Delta fucking variant, yeah. but you know, we're here for a very special reason. The reason why I'm leading off this one today because it was my crazy idea that we do a Star Trek fantasy draft. Now, we will try and explain the rules as we go, but mm-hmm. this spotlight fantasy draft is gonna be a one of a kind. Uh, we, we'll see how it goes. It might go terribly, it might go really well. <laughs> Whatever it should be, wherever it happens, it's gonna be a lot of fun. We have drinks. That's I mean, it's not it. like we have previous of things going off the rails. Hello, yeah. pretending with dice. Adam, how are you doing? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> trying to order a pizza. <laughs> yeah. Paul, explain to our listeners what fantasy draft is. Well, and to me. Okay, so people who follow association football soccer in the United Kingdom might know of fantasy drafts. Well, I, I suppose they know a fantasy football, which is where you have all the players in the Premier League listed by, you know, 4 million, 5 million, that kind of thing. You get given a pot of 50 million and you have to kind of spread that across your team, trying to pick players which you think are going to perform well in the coming season. You can swap out three of them over the course of the campaign or so, but really you can enter a competition and you kind of basically, it's a roll, roll of the dice kind of. So, because you could spend a lot of money on a striker who gets injured in the first month and you're absolutely screwed. So you make your fantasy team, but it follows what's happening in real life. Real life, yeah. Players. So every every week, every weekend, <clears throat> they're scored by the newspaper or whichever one you're affiliated with. So they'll, they'll score points for goals, assists. They'll get points off for yellow cards, red cards. You know, if they turn up, if they actually come on the pitch, they get a point. If they come on substitute, they get like a little point. So there's basically, you need to kind of, people, people are going to, you know, play regularly to even score a playing point and then hopefully they perform well etc so you need regulars which means it's going to cost you a lot of money so you have to be very canny about your purchases so it's it can be fun like um i've I've played a few times but like it's just to sustain your interest over 38 uh, game weeks is is difficult but you want to be you basically need to make your team before game week one because you can't start from a losing position you need to like be scoring points from the get-go so i've missed my chance this year but yeah, it's, in America, the fact it works a bit differently because, like with American footballers, for example, the people aren't necessarily bought and sold by different clubs. There's a pool of available talent, and people can be drafted to play in different games. But you know, they, they can only draft so many players, mm. and they can only sort of spend so much money. So it's a little bit different. So what we've got here in the Star Trek podcast one is uh, a pool of every starship, a pool of all the captains, and a pool of all the first officers across all the series up to and including Discovery. We didn't. 
go into detail in terms of lower decks. I think it's just, I was building on an existing product. So all I could do is add discovery to it. Like, and even then not. Plus, if you'd added Badgie to the list, I'd <sighs> flip the fucking table. Like, yeah, well, <laughs> Badgie, my captain. Badgie, my captain, my captain. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I think it's going to be, what we're going to do is going to go down the list. We're going to have our pick of a ship, captain, first officer, security, tactical, engineering, helmsman, counselor, navigator, comms, two villains, because this, you know, this is going to be like, you know, a big, big ass affair. Opposing it force or alien threat, and then children slash pets. <laughs> but with the idea being that once we've completed our kind of picks, we would then pitch a pilot or a Star Trek movie that we can um, hypothesize about what it's going to be called. I actually did come up with a name now, I've just realized because I didn't do that. Yeah, I don't have a title. <laughs> well, I think it'd be quite funny if we come, we could take a five minute break and actually work it out, but perhaps we can only use words that are featured in Star Trek movie titles already. Ooh. So that narrows it down. It makes it a bit easier to pick. But Interesting. <laughs> so it could be beyond the motion picture. <laughs> Can we, we have words that we use in working titles? Yeah. I think we don't know what they are, but you have to maybe prove it. Like, <laughs> the search <sorry>. for nemesis. <laughs> <laughs> so this is what Badil and Skinner were doing all those years on BBC Two late night. I didn't know. We might as well bring Paula's team up for yes. what it's worth. Let's have a look at it. And, and you can talk us through it. I yes. will do. See, what Paula's done right there, she's put one person at the back in the goal position, and there's a couple of guys at the front who will be trying to get some goals in there. So, and so far, so good. <laughs> You've, have you heard of any of them? <laughs> I have no, I haven't got the faintest idea, or frankly, the faintest interest in any of those. <laughs> right, so... But, the, but the, 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 where it could get interesting is that perhaps we all have picked the same thing. Yeah. And now we've rolled the dice... I have won the roll of the dice. Matt has run, come second and Liam's come third. So I'll get the first pick. So I might end up taking Liam's pick off the board, which uh, would put him at a disadvantage. means he's got to think on his feet, think mm -hmm. of a replacement shit that isn't going to fuck up his story. So yeah, we're all going to literally go round the table picking uh, a ship, a captain, all that kind of stuff. And like you say, you it's might It's going to end up of... part planned, part improv. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> we've all got an idea, I think, of who we're going to pick, but then it might go wrong. And there are certain rules like you can't pick one character for your captain, then have them for your first officer, can you? Like, no, yeah, they, yeah, the crew has to be different people. But, they, but the thing is, some of those people do appear in different uh, positions. Mm, but it's only virtual. what they've appeared in. Historically. Yeah, historically. It has to be in canon, like, uh, that they were in that position. So, it, it, for example, like, LaForge is in engineering and as a helmsman, because in Series 1 he was on the helm of the Enterprise-D, so it's mm -hmm. just random stuff like that, where you could kind of mix it up a bit. Okay. So, shall we... Does everybody understand the rules so far? I think uh, so. I mean, you know, we're going to play catch-up as we go. Uh, hopefully you understand the rules at home. If not, look them up! <laughs> like, uh, yeah, play along, build your own. Yeah, squad. yeah, yeah. You tell well, us your own we, like version. I mean, we could somehow probably upload the the fancy draft roster. Yeah, of all of the do. things available, so you can play at home. Yeah. But you will <laughs> see probably... if you can do better than us. Yeah, you yeah. probably will get some nerds being like, "Why is this character from one episode not on the list?" <laughs> well, yeah, that's something we should say as well. That there's there's going to be no logical reason why you might pick characters from different eras, right? You can no, no, have yeah, we can mix them up. Yeah, no continuity yeah. people. You can have yeah. Kirk working on a ship with Saru and not have to explain how they got. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> you're picking personalities and, and and character types to try and create like a dynamic for your film. You know, a tone. Even so, you know, I think what I was inspired by, and I'm going to give a little tip hat to one of my favorite podcasts, James Bonding, who did a James Bond draft. 
similar to this where they kind of then pitch their James Bond, <laughs> hypothetical James Bond movie. But like by virtue of like having kind of Roger Moore as your lead Bond, you, you're basically making a comedy Bond. Like so, you know, <laughs> yes. it changes everything. Let's see Are you going to read out all the choices? No, no, no. What we will do is just, like, when we say our choice, we will sort of just say why we picked that person, I think. Yeah. Okay, cool. Maybe you can yeah. shout a few out as, like, examples. Yeah, like, be like, oh, I thought about these other ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. there are a lot there I do not know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wish I hadn't won the roll of the dice, because when it comes to Captain, that really does set the tone for your show, and that's the second character you're going to pick, which I'll be picking last! So... Yeah. Yeah. Well, nice. Away we go. We're gonna go with. So we do ships first. Ship of the line. So this is this is the ship which my crew will inhabit, and that okay. ship is gonna be the Enterprise A. And the reason I picked the Enterprise A. Which one is the Enterprise A? So this appeared in the end of four in five. Star Trek four, Voyage Home, Star Trek five, five, Far Frontier, and six. Helm ready, Captain. All right, let's Let's see what she's got. Basically, I picked that one because the Enterprise refit wasn't available. It was just the original series Enterprise. And I'm geeky enough to say that I prefer the refit <laughs> Enterprise from 1, 2, and 3, but it's not on the board, so I'm going to take the next equivalent, which is pretty much the same ship, but it has different sort of engine. What well, well, so Why is the other one not on the list? It just wasn't on the list, and before I could change it, like, we'd already decided to do this. So, like, just for the record, Liam suggested a few alterations to the list. I didn't think I had time to make any of it. Oh, well, I've, I've, my suggestions, I've taken them into account. Great. My alterations. Oh, no, they, I have too. Okay, good. Because I'm getting whether you've added yeah. them or not, they're, they're involved. It's not like you're going, <laughs> oh, that enterprise. I, I've decided the they're there. So oh, if, you, if you want the other enterprise, I'm... <laughs> you're going off book, aren't you, Liam? <laughs> oh, yeah. Enterprise A, it's just, I just love the way it photographs. It looks great. Is uh, that so after it, it gets wrecked in Spock, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, and this is the, this one, they, the one that comes. Yeah, it, it, they abandoned ship. Why is that the A? What was it before? It was just it didn't have an A on it. It was ah. one seven zero. Oh, so that starts the number. The a, a B yeah B to D and D B is T and G. No, no. B is T and G. Oh. So Matt, what is your ship going to be for your crew? Well, my ship will be the USS Excelsior. 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 Which one's the Excelsior? This is the one from Star Trek 3 and then appeared again under the command of Captain Sulu in Star Trek 6. Correct. Oh, okay. And well, why did you pick the Excelsior? Well, it may become apparent with my captain pick. Oh, <laughs> interesting. Okay, so I I can now pick my uh, my ship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I will have USS Vengeance. <laughs> like, uh, so this is the ship that Peter Weller's character in Star Trek Into Darkness, Captain, which is a fucking big, <laughs> big battle. Is a fucking big boy. They're hailing us, sir. On screen. Broadcast shipwide for the record. Captain Kirk? Admiral Marcus, I wasn't expecting you. It's a hell of a ship you got there. I remember in the film, it suddenly like ports in and it's fucking massive. Yeah. Like it's way bigger than the Enterprise. Like, oh shit! The fucking Robocop's there, fucking captain in it, being like, fucking give up or there will be trouble. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so USS Vengeance. Or... It's the beginning it. of like a war story. <laughs> I do think the design of that ship is really good because it just looks so ominous. The, the colour scheme, I think it's like yeah. black on it. Yeah, like, it doesn't look like, kind of yeah. enterprisey, but chunkier yes yeah, yeah, yeah it's like chunky it's, it's like a thunderbird 2 version <laughs> of the enterprise 
My my other almost picks were the Enterprise and the Motion Picture, mm. uh, which even couldn't have picked. which is apparently not on the list yeah. for whatever reason. Like, uh, but you know, I'm glad you went with Vengeance. I think because I, I think otherwise we'd be too close together. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right then, so Matt is going to pick his captain now. Yeah, cool. So because so, so, so. now, oh, is, is that how it works? Is it you, you were second, you were second, I went second, you went third. That's right, okay. first, right, you'll, right, right, you'll be second. Right, go on, go on, yeah. It's like, Calling foul. <laughs> so I am gonna pick Sulu. Stardate 9521.6. Captain's log USS Excelsior. Hikaru Sulu commanding. After three years, I've concluded my first assignment as master of this vessel, cataloging gaseous planetary anomalies in Beta Quadrant. Captain so that ties in the Excelsior. So I just figured, like, I really like Undiscovered Country and that element of that film of seeing an ex-crew member now in command of his own ship which I guess happens again and again throughout the rest of the franchise with Riker and people like that. Even people like Worf popping over the other ships may not be commanding them but moving around. This being the first kind of time when you know someone we've known and loved is now captain it's a really great sight. I'm like I'm gonna you know mm. try and do a Captain Sulu story so I'm glad I could pair those two together. Everything else after this isn't Paired in any way. I've so. got a little fact there. Like, actually, it was it, it, back in Wrath of Khan, Sula was meant to be going to be Captain of the mm. Excelsior. And there's actually a line that they cut out of the movie. When on the shuttle pod over, he says, I said you're starting a new command, Sula, with the Excelsior. And they get there's a bit back and forth that it's going to happen. But that's the delete scene in Khan. In Khan, yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, but yeah, I'm sure there's probably been expanded universe type maybe comics or other stories about Well there was the episode Sula. in Voyager the 100 episode yeah. Voyager yeah. or Flashback like, which flashback, I have seen yeah which it's the 30th it. anniversary episode of Voyager it was David Livingston who directed Flashback of course who we interviewed yes. in one of our classic interview episodes and yeah i really like the dynamic and sort of story potential of someone who you know has served time as a as a like lesser crewman getting to be captain and how what that might look like you fits the role of captain you do not yeah you do not doubt any for a second that yeah he's, got he's, the gravitas he's so thing. incredibly captainly and yeah. we all know he can kick ass as well so yeah i'm excited for a fly robot <laughs> <laughs> okay right so you're captain, Liam, Liam. your captain I'm going to pick Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Mm. You son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch. Picard. Is... Whole film rewrite. Hey, rewrite. Can't believe that might be the first, the last yeah, time. It's it's this guy, yeah. So there you go. Uh, Picard, I am picking. Picard uh, flying the vengeance. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. You wouldn't, th- you wouldn't think it, would oh, you? That's it. You well, wouldn't think it. Well, what about you? Well, it was going to be Picard, <laughs> but now it's going to be Benjamin Sisko. Like, why was Sisko your second choice? I, I just the wings. He has a dark side. I think he says it's got a way that he could basically like a Picard in his direction. I think he, you could see him on principle turning against mm. sort of like authority. That if, it's, if he sees of corruption, I think he's got that kind of with his little square tumbler glass. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like do the do the wrong thing for the right reasons, yeah, yeah. and that's why I think the episode particularly you know affected me. I mean, you can talk about his acting, which is very up and down through the series, and like some episodes he's like really on it, and some of his episodes I'm just not buying him. I just think overall that you know he showed that he had it in that episode. I lied. I cheated. I bribed men to cover the crimes of other men. accessory to murder but the most damning thing of all I think I can live with it 
And if I had to do it all over again, I would. Brooks is one of those actors where I think when he does bring it, mm. he really brings it. Like yeah. he's one of those ones that sometimes he doesn't always work, but when he's, I think basically whenever he's given anything really intense. The trilithium resin is dissipating throughout the biosphere. The Maquis are scrambling their transport ships. They're starting to evacuate. Do you realize what you've done? I've only just begun. I'm going to eliminate every Maquis colony in the DMZ. You're talking about turning hundreds of thousands of people into homeless refugees. That's right. When you attacked the Malinche, you proved one thing. That the Maquis have become an intolerable threat to the security of the Federation, and I am going to eliminate that threat. But think about those people you saw in the caves. Huddled and starving, they didn't attack the Malinche. You should have thought about that before you attacked a Federation starship. Helm! Lay in a course for tracking two warp six. Commander, prepare two more torpedoes. Engine break. Set course zero five zero five one seven nine. Three and four. Can't you see what's happening to you? You're going against everything you claim to believe in. And for what? To satisfy a personal vendetta? You betrayed your uniform. And you're betraying yours right now. The sad part is you don't even realize it. I feel sorry for you, Captain. This obsession with me. Look what it's cost you. Major, shut that thing off. Commander Worf, prepare to launch torpedoes. Wait! If you call off your attack, I'll turn over all our biogenic weapons. Not enough! So, we're now on to first officer, and the first person going to pick this round is you, Liam. Yay! Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna pick Michael Burnham. Michael Burnham. Mutineer Michael Burnham. <laughs> I know. Well, <laughs> on the USA's Vengeance, it's getting getting a bit dicey. <laughs> and why did you pick Michael? Just because of the mutineer aspect? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, possibly. Obviously, I relate to her. You just being love like, uh, love Yeah, exactly. I mean, anyone who's listened to our crossover pretending with dice. Well, no, I love a bit of mutiny on board, and like you know, <laughs> so I relate with Michael, and also I just I just like Michael Burnham. Like at the end of the day, and I I think she gets a bad rap from some idiots, so I'm like shoving my support behind Michael. Yeah, she was my backup captain pick. Oh, oh very good. Like yeah, her in uh, yeah, in Kane Captain, because at the end of season three, she is captain in the trailer of season yeah. four. She hasn't been demoted just yet. Yeah, so. well, she could appear in any one of three categories: captain, first officer, or like um, just sciences. I think. Person. She's in the, yeah, person. <laughs> <laughs> sort of child. Well, yeah. So I'm gonna pick Saru. My number one pick. For okay, that's good. Officer. Yeah, the scary fest. Another yeah. person who could have been captain. It could have been. He could have been captain as well. So yeah, uh, Saru. I think because basically, as soon as this character appeared, it's like he's always been in Star Trek. Whilst Discovery took us a little while to find its feet, that character was amazing from the beginning. Had such interesting attributes, like feeling fear and the impending death, and the way his like you know spikes would come up. I just thought that was such a cool thing. Amazing fleet body performance. It's just amazing every time he's on screen. I'm just, I just think it's such an incredible character and just work really well written. What a great first office for Captain Cisco. I mean, <laughs> yeah, very, very, very good yeah, choice. I can see those Excellent. two working together in a really interesting way. What about you, Matthew? Uh, I'm gonna go Spock. Spock, yeah, the it's... daddy of first office. Yes, yeah, so yes, yeah, so far this is looking very original series, but that's not the case after this. But yes, yeah, right. so Spock, I was like, I think it'd be nice to see sort of him and Sulu having that connection, whereas the other characters are all kind of mixed up a bit, if I get my picks. 
So having that connection at the kind of forefront of the dynamic of captain first officer and having it being that way around, like Sulu in charge of Spock now. And yeah, you know, he's he's one of the greats, isn't he? So I guess we like poor Spock never got to have a command of his own. He's always he was captain from the beginning of the movies. He's called Captain Spock in Star Trek Two. Yeah, he's playing second fiddle to Captain Kirk in five and six when they're on the on the ship together. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's not I think there's precedence that there he was still playing second fiddle to Sulu. I think he's a great number one, the all the all time number one. So I'm back to being top pick for the next category, which is should be medical officer, shouldn't it? He's medical officer, yeah. Um, so I need to kind of introduce another. I need to put another row in. You I'm fucked not, up your spreadsheet. I spread up my spreadsheet. Okay. <laughs> uh, Spreadsheet's down. <laughs> all power to spreadsheet. He's giving um, it all he's got. But I'm going to pick the doctor from Voyager. Is my pick for oh the hologra- hologrammatic doctor yes Rob Picardo obviously Joe Dante regular I just, <laughs> I just think he's, he's just fucking great he brings humanity to what is it just a collection of particles or emission holographic emissions mm-hmm. oh I thought you were talking about the rest of the cast <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I think you're, you're just so funny Ratsu so I've got some comic relief alongside Cisco and... <laughs> good choice yeah I like right. that so next up it's going to be Matt picking okay I'm going to go for Bashir. Oh, good old Bashir. Get him in there. So yeah, diving into some DS9 people now. And yeah, I think Bashir's a solid guy. He's obviously very smart and resourceful. And I think, you know, with the rest of this random assemble of of crew, I think he'll uh, he'll stand out. Because I would like this to be Bashir as Sadiq is now probably oh so older um, bashir what so yeah. with his like full because he usually has a beard now doesn't he yeah and he looks weird. i think he looks really good with a beard because he, he was yeah. in 24 yeah yeah because he could be a really like long-standing experienced doctor by now less of the kind of uh, newcomer and just thinking about that idea of like what age i'm pitching people it could be a really interesting mix if i take like sulu as he is in star trek 6 and that Voyager episode, Spock, I mean, I don't know, probably Nimoy, but it could even be, that could be the Quinto Spock, like a younger Spock, and then yeah, older that's Bashir. Yeah, that's an interesting idea. Like, yeah, I'll, we'll I'll work all yeah. that out. So we've got Bashir. Now, Liam, did you pick your... No, uh, my medical officer would be good old Dr. McCoy. Dr. McCoy. He's there with his Tennessee baked beans, like, <laughs> he, I, that's, that's the main man, I've got to have him. That's great. Well, he was on the Enterprise D, like, for one scene, with data, so there's a connection. But I mean, we're not talking about the 134 year old. Dr. Yeah, McCoy. no, we won't. We'll not be talking about the 134 year old Doctor McCoy. What no. kind of age range are you thinking? Dr. Uh, McCoy? I probably have him like um, motion picture age. I think motion oh. picture Rafa Khan age. But I would say motion picture with the beard and the gold medallion. Yeah. Right. We're now moving on to security tactical officer. Like uh, Matt, you lead the way. Nice. Uh, I'm gonna go Wolf. <laughs> Look at Liam's face. <laughs> I think we might have the, the second. I think I need security detail up in here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, you know, he's, coward's cold. he's my first TNG pick, but has the DS9 connection with Bashir as well. And uh, yeah, he's always been a bad man. So oh, Wolf is a classic. Yeah. Great choice. Strong choice. Liam. Who was on the security list? Because Wolf was my number one. <laughs> well, I did, but I want to know. Well, all nobody we have Powell Chekhov, Tasha Yar. Odo, Michael Eddington from BS9, who the hell? Who's <laughs> that? I don't know. Tuvok. Tuvok. Malcolm Reed from Enterprise. Oh, Major J. Haynes from Enterprise. Dean Arm from Disco. Ash Tyler. 
Oh, Ash Tyler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is um, your second choice not one of those? He's not got second choice. He didn't think you ever. No, I did. I did. I did have a second choice, but but now I'm like, I want to think about the story of Craig Kyle. Like, mm-hmm. I'll go Ash Tyler. I'll go our friend, our friend, friend of the show, Shazad Latif, who so, we interviewed hey, in his bedroom. I'm looking yeah. over at your bit of paper. He is your number one choice. Yeah, but but this was now I changed it. Oh, right. I mean, this is oh, all. This sure. was early plans. Okay, and then I changed it to War for Number One. So now you've got you, Burnham and Tyler together. Fuck me. Yeah, fuck me. I mean, you can get the romance se- back. Sexual, sexual chemistry here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, why's a mean... sausage fest right now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I've got, um, I, mean, I could think of this on the fly, uh, Wolf was my first choice. Oh, you were both your first choices. I know, Wolf, this is, I mean, the man who's appeared in more episodes of Star Trek than any other person alive. Yeah, it makes sense. It is, you know, he is Mr. Security himself, mm-hmm. isn't he? And it's amazing he wasn't security for like two seasons. Was Wolf in any other categories or just security? I think he was in other categories, yeah. Like, um, Have a look, see if he's like, well, I'll see if I can get him in. Yeah, no, no. Oh, it, it was wasn't. very. It was very. It wasn't really clear what he was doing in that first season before when Tashi I was there. He was just standing behind her. He was, just, <laughs> yeah. he was just also there. So my pick then coming right back to the uh, the panic draft as we have several more hundred categories to go <laughs> is is Odo. Oh Christmas. yeah, Odo's a good choice. Yeah, and plus he can shape shift into fucking anything, so you can just make him wolf. I can make him wolf. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Odo looks like wolf. Or me. <laughs> yeah, bark like me for wolf. <laughs> Um, so yeah, Odo. Uh, yeah, I'm just he was my second rest, choice. Rest in peace, Renee Bajona. Wow. Oh yeah. Who? Uh, just like I love him in every episode I'm seeing in him. We haven't been able to trace the beam to its point of origin, but since there aren't any ships nearby, I believe it originated on the station. Any suspects? Uh, since it appears to be a device intended to conduct covert surveillance of the Romulans, my leading suspects would be the Klingons. Do you have any evidence besides the fact that Klingons hate Romulans? Not yet, but don't worry. I plan to investigate the Klingons, the Bajorans, Quark, the visiting Torellians. You think Quark had something to do with this? I always investigate Quark. Moving on to category, engineering officer. So we have Liam taking the first pick for engineering officer. What do you got? Um... Get me who got! <laughs> I will have. What? Well, it's just there in front of you. You just read the words. Yeah, I know. But I. But now, <laughs> for this, as we go on, my you know, it's morphing in my head. Like oh. I've got. A, this I've got this a, feels like real pre-production. Like, I've got can't get them. Miles O'Brien. Miles O'Brien. Miles O'Brien. We are going for top of the call sheet. Anyway, let's move on to somebody even more important. Perhaps the most important person in Starfleet history, Chief. Miles O'Brien. He's second most episodes, isn't he? After uh, probably up there. Wolf, yeah, yeah, I reckon. Well, it's that thing of being regular in two things, isn't it? Well, he was very, very smaller role in Tension, yeah. But yeah. he was—he did do—he he did get bigger. He's got that great speech to the um, Cardassian, yeah. hasn't he? Where he's yeah. like, "I don't hate you, Cardassian." 
Yeah, yeah, I mean, great choice. That's annoying because that's like taking out my favourite character moment from my plot now, which was. Uh, <laughs> oh no! It was. I just what's the thing I wrote here. Um, some of the crew are split up and captured, like O'Brien, who was sentenced to hard time. Ah, <laughs> Beck. <laughs> Back to some more hard time. <laughs> I know, just like, uh, yeah, get some hard time in there. Um, no, not again, not again, <laughs> not again. Actually, he was my second pick anyway, so it's LaForge. Geordie LaForge mm-hmm. is going to be my engineer for this ship. There'll be a moment where he leaps under a closing door. <laughs> yeah, oh no, tuck and roll, mate. <laughs> is he now your first TNG person i forget he is my first tng he person is. yeah cool i'm gonna go torres from voyager interesting um Who's yeah that? <laughs> <laughs> oh balana yes balana the, the female klingon yeah, yeah who is yes. now a uh prominent tv director yeah, yeah you just fought like fernando torres from like liverpool Chelsea, <laughs> uh, Atletico madrid but no, yeah Balana yeah Torres. so yeah finally breaking up the sausage fest and we'll have some hopefully interesting dynamics with Worf as like you know fellow Klingon ship have you seen them rowing each other yeah this was one yeah Klingon this, versus yeah Klingon. this was a category in which I didn't really have any strong favourites really and I was like you know what I don't you know I've still barely hardly seen any fucking Voyager um, sort out right? I know I know um, but I was like she she stood out so I'll get her in there excellent so for, I mean, moving now to Helmsman Con Officer which is the uh Pilot, our fair vessels. Oh, that's what it is. Yeah. So I'm going to pick Valeris, played by Kim Cattrall. Was she the traitor? She was a traitor. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Star Trek Six. Just want to get some Sex and City vibes in here. Like, I'll spice it up a bit. Yeah. And I also like had a very strange dream where I was her best friend. I might. Well, I bet you did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> strange dream. Change the sheets that yeah. night. <laughs> but um, I uh, did a Twitter post uh, about because, of course, they are currently filming. The Sex and City reboot, which she is too classy for. Yeah, which she is absent from. It's got all they've got everyone else back. They Lawrence Fishburne the shit out of her. But yeah, but no, um, no, Kim Cattrall. And someone made an amazing fake mock up where it had the first on set cast photo of Charlotte, uh, Samantha, and Miranda. And they would kind of take a selfie, don't they? And someone pose like a Samantha, like a huge Samantha, like ghost head, like in the kind of like sky. Going. And then I retweeted it on the Swatlight account going, Sex and the City Free, the search for Samantha. <laughs> <laughs> like, it would actually be Sex and the City Free, as there have been two movies. So mm-hmm. there you go. Sex and the City 2 is not as good as Froth of Car, no. <laughs> <laughs> My, my my second pick would have been Gary Mitchell. Yeah, yeah, I he's my it. second pick, oh, uh, and I nearly but, just bumped him up to one, but I'm not. Gonna. Okay, well you can pick him up to one. It's your choice. The ball is in your court. Mate. No, I'm gonna go with, and I just had to look him up to remind myself who he is. <laughs> Lieutenant Hawk. Lieutenant Hawk. Okay. First contact is yes, played by I'm Neil not... McDonough. Oh, Neil McDonough. Yes. Neil McDonough. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who was meant to be the first gay character in Star Trek, but it was only novel. No, I was I was really interested in his character in um in the movie. I thought he had something about him. Yeah, really, I thought you know seeing him again in Minority Report a few years later, I was like, that's the guy. That, I'm glad he got. A yeah, we'll just look him up again on the first contact page, and it says uh, he was cavalier about his role as a disposable red shirt, saying that since one of the characters in the deflector dish battle had to die, that would be me. So will he have the same fate? Yeah, he dies in the when the in it's in the scene where Wolf goes assembly. This. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good Michael Dawn, and um, yeah, he's he actually gets some borgified. Yeah, he's he's assimilated and then sort of steps oh, no. on the ground. Mm. Right, so it's it's me next, isn't it? Yeah. So I am gonna go with Paris. 
Paris. Robert uh, Duncan McNeil. Yeah, yeah. Robert Duncan McNeil Paris, who uh, has often been... Um, can't whip him boy on this podcast. Paris. I, but, I think, uh, go but like, going on a bit of a journey, I think a bit of a reappraisal. I think, you know, he's sort of, since the episode, it's all sort of grown on us a little bit and hearing more about the man himself, I think he's like a real straight A guy. And I think yeah, oh yeah, the, yeah, the, the man who plays Tom Paris sounds great. Like, and he also uh, yeah. directed something that I quite enjoyed as well. Yeah. Uh, he's directed loads of like big TV and he directed Twilight the episode of Enterprise that we discussed with Cam Smith not too yeah. long ago. Yeah. But he has, if you look on his CV, he would have directed some TV you have watched because yeah. he directed loads. That is great. So we are coming now to Counselor, Recreation, Morale Officer. So mm-hmm. this, this is quite a bit of a... I will I will read out some of the roster for this one because it's like a bit, of a bit of a kind of oddity. Not all of the shows have this kind of um, character in there, but we've got Elizabeth Denner from No Man Has Done Before. Deanna Troy is the most obvious one. Guinan... Quark, Vic Fontaine from season six and seven of DS9. I've not got that far So yet. this is counsellor slash bartender. Well, recreation morale. <laughs> so I think it's like... It, right. well, just it, as Neelix is there. So basically it's an ancillary character who's not part of the main crew necessarily. But is part of the main cast. It's main for cast, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it'll be above the line cast <sighs> members. So Ezredax, Ezri- Redax, I think, seven, season seven of DS9. Again, not got that far. I mean... Oh, so this is the this is the next version of Dax. I presume so. And then hmm. Neelix, and then Leela from DS9. Leela from DS9. I presume that's, that's supposed to be around the Dabber table, isn't it? That's sort of in Quarks a lot of the time. Hmm. So there you go. Bit of a bit of a, bit of a strange bunch. Good because it's quite a short category. Probably a chance here for some of us to uh, pick the same one. But Who gets first pick? Here? Matt does get the first okay, pick. Yeah. On, so I'm going to go with Quark. Okay, um, cool, yeah. Because he's bound to be good value in here somewhere. And yeah, I think definitely. the way he could operate in a movie setting compared to like being the kind of Casablanca bartender guy where you can just, you know, get involved in lots of different storylines. I think in a movie it would have to be quite focused in. And then yeah, just thinking about how he could interact with this uh ragtag assemble I'm assembling. So yeah, let's go Quark. Well, Quark was robbed of his big screen moment in Insurrection, which That's hit right. the cutting room floor, so it's just just desserts now. He gets a top billing in your movie. <laughs> Liam, you're next. Guinan. Whoop him. You're going for... I think, is this the first Oscar winner in all of the uh, picks? Well, maybe, yeah. Well, I, yeah, is anyone else... Who else are Oscar winners from the kind of, like, the main cast of Star Trek? Hmm. Is, it, is there anyone else apart from Whoopi? I don't think so. Peace Jew hasn't won, no. has it? You are, yeah, I was thinking Peace Jew, but then I was like, oh, yeah, hmm. I suppose... That's yeah, yeah, well, exactly. That's why I was like, oh, actually, he seems like an actor who should have won. Is an he Oscar. the most respected slash least decorated? Because <laughs> out there, yeah, sure. yeah. yeah like, Ian McKellen's not won an Oscar either, has he? But he's oh, got some monsters. I know. No, I've got I a feeling that was a nom at least. Yeah. Yeah, I've got to say that must have been a nom. Got some monsters. Just get a nod, a little cheeky nod. <laughs> I think as well, like you know, why you know that's the thing is like if if they had been less snobby about Flash of the Ring, he would have won Best Supporting Actor for that. But mm. just by the time they did the third one, it's like, well, we've got to get to all the technical categories because nobody won for acting in that whole. No, day. I mean, you know, right. Return of the King did win Best Picture, but no one won for acting. And no, it? Oh, okay. yeah. God, imagine if it could have won in every acting category as well. It would have had like fifteen Oscars instead of eleven. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like no, I don't think there is anyone else. But yeah, yeah. so there you go, Whoopi Guinan. Yeah, she's is. another bartender, bros. Yes, that's true. There you go. Yeah, yeah. bartender prejudice is coming out. 
Um, there's no one in the JJ films that's won an Oscar either, is there? Let's try and think through that cast. Pine, no, not yet. Peg, no. No. Quinto, no. Madonna, no. Urban, no. No, I don't think so. Idris, no. Peter Weller, no. <laughs> Cumberbatch might be getting close to one. Oh, by a cucumber patch. Not, not for in- Imitation Game, wasn't he? He's, so. getting, yeah, he's yeah, getting buzzed yeah, for that yeah, new yeah. Jane Campion film. They reckon that could be it. Oh, was he in a campion? Power of the Dog, yeah, it's a Western. Um, oh, yeah, I think he's leading that. Have you seen it in the cut? In the cut? Meg Ryan, Jane Campion film. Oh, is that a, What, the one where she sucks it going off? That's yeah. a Jane Campion <laughs> film? Yeah. Like, uh, oh no, I haven't seen I didn't well, no, realize I was a Jane Campion film. I mean, this is a complete, like, diversion. I and enjoy this business, but, like, do you remember the Meg Ryan? Parky interview. Yeah, well, I, did you watch the Parky F special the other day? No, but I. Okay, well, I did. What was your impression of that interview when you first well, saw well, it? Well, well, this is, this is it, right? So, when that first came out, so it was like 2004? Three, yeah. 2003. Three, yeah. So, basically, when that came out, I remember very much the impression and all the papers and everything was just like, she, he is such a bitch. Like, oh my God, poor Parky. Yeah, like, she you know, she, she, bitch. She, yeah, yeah, she's awful. Everything like that. And then on the weekend... They did uh, Parkinson at 50, slightly confusing title, though they meant is 50 years of broadcasting. Yeah. Not that Parkinson is 50 because he looks like he's been dug up now. Like, but uh, <laughs> literally, like, and they went back over some of these difficult interviews which have yeah. been reappraised since. So, like, the Helen Mirren interview from the 70s, where he's just basically like, Oh, don't you think it's a bit distracting for your acting with your massive breasts? Like, you know, she's like, what? Like, yeah. And they also showed the Meg Ryan one. I'm yeah. watching it now. Yeah. In like literally almost 20 years later, it's mad just how much, because the same footage. He's being her. But he's yeah. Being, he's going, he's being really inappropriate with trying yeah. questioning. He's being really like aggressive and she's deflecting, well, she's handling it in a, in a such a kind of classy, mm. poised way. And shows a lot of gra- grace, and then, 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 amazingly, like if when she says "wrap it up," which is just a fair way of just saying that this isn't going to work out, he turns to like one of the ladies from the fashion show at the time. I think it was a can't remember what their names were, but like says, "Oh, to comment on her outfit." It was like the most sexist like ending to an already kind of sexist car crash of an interview, which is just hmm. it's awful. really yeah, it's, it was funny. This I would definitely recommend. And I remembered it completely. The, yeah, I, yeah, I was but, team parking. But it shows you how easily you're swept up mm. in the thing at the time of the general conversation, general consensus of the time. That's very much you know that, that was a time where it's like the difficult woman. Was he just syndrome. like she's not answering my horrible questions? He's been really aggressive towards her. Like once he realised she ain't playing in terms of she's being kind of nice enough but she clearly feels really awkward yeah. and really anxious well, about the interview well yeah she's and, basically saying out loud that like I don't like the movie star part of it I'd like to be just like an artist like yeah. an actress yeah yeah, yeah and it just like you know he's like well you know but you're a movie star aren't you that you know we're not going to sort that out are we on this show and yeah, yeah, it's yeah, just sort yeah. of like, yeah, he just sort of goes after it. It's like, well, you're a movie star, therefore you're fair game. I it was funny because um, on this interview, I've got to say, respect Barky, considering he must be old as fuck right now. I think he, I think he is like 85 or something. Mm. They basically went through his kind of like dodgy interviews 
And he was like really reflective. He was pretty much like, yeah, I hold my hands up, could have handled it better. And yes, I was aggressive, I was defensive because the interview wasn't going the way I wanted it to. So considering he's like an old guy and he's no re he could just be like, oh, okay. Like, uh, but he was pretty much kind of like, you know, he's completely retired and um, he, he completely owned it. And with the Helen Mirren interview, he was saying about how, what I didn't know is they had a reunion interview years later in like 2004 or something yeah. where Hammer, like it took him to, they all kind of made up. Yeah. And she was just like saying like, oh, you remember the last time I came on? You commented on my breast, didn't you, Michael? And he's just like, oh. Like, like. <laughs> so uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a mad thing of how time, time's changing just completely. You watch something again, exactly the same footage and you go, oh, holy shit, how do I ever... Yeah. think he was in the right in this yeah. that was um that was off the jane campion sort of podcast really. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um yeah so coming back to councillor recreation officer my final pick for me is elizabeth denner which is for the character from the only bit of one episode where no man's gone before but i remember being like this is one of my favorite episodes if not my favorite episode of the original series this is the gary mitchell episode it's the gary, gary mitchell episode but I, she is in the science department sort of you know morale officer i, I, don't, I don't quite know what her job title is but the way she's presented as like, you know, an authoritarian female voice on the bridge crew, I thought was like, oh, this is getting there early with changing um, perceptions of sex and rank in a mm. ship and that kind of stuff. So I was like, and her performance is excellent. And she was really good in the episode where she's quite conflicted about, you know, Gary and his sort of like godlike status. And she's also being transformed, I think, at the same time, isn't she? But to a lesser extent, mm. he gets a full dose of God. And uh, she <laughs> was there full god mode. And Kirk has to kind of appeal to like the Starfleet in her to sort of like give him the edge. And she only ever appeared in that episode. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So moving on, Navigator next, isn't it? Flight of the Navigator. Flight of the Navigator. So we've got a Navigator Ops or Sciences. That's a good list here. Liam, you get to go first. Oh, okay. Data. Data. <laughs> well, there's my backup gone. Uh, that's my backup <laughs> and, gone. And why data? This ancillary kind of character nobody remembers. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, he he's a fucking Star Trek big boy, and he I think he's a great character. You know, Brent Spiner played amazingly well, and there, I think there's a lot of stuff you can mine from Data because he's got kind of different shades of his character thanks to his kind of chips. His, uh, <laughs> his <laughs> you you were chip well, it's shit. <laughs> <laughs> so I think there's a lot to play with there. So yeah, yeah Data. So mine is going to be Kirstie Alley's Savick from Star Trek Two. Yeah, we're not talking about the actress here; she may have her own issues, but she was amazing in that movie. Yeah, and she was, and I was my first ever alien crush. I guess, mm. like you know, she was she was gorgeous. But yeah, I can see that. Or... I mean, what I'll say about Kirstie Alley is having literally just watch all of Cheers recently. It's one of those, and knowing who Kirstie Alley has become today, she comes in as the female lead for like second half of Cheers, the show, like season six to 11. And she's a fucking brilliant comedic actress. Like amazing, mm. like really fucking hilarious, like brilliant comic timing and stuff like that. And I've yeah, never seen that Look Who's Talking. So Oh, you've not seen Look Who's Talking? Oh yeah, of course she's Look Who's Talking as well. Is there a hot uh, like pairing in the 80s? What Travolta and Ali? Yeah. Dancing and Ali in 
Cheers. <laughs> T-Dog himself. Um, Matt, who you got for your navigator? Uh, I'm going to go Dax. So, yeah, I like Dax a lot. I think she's really cool. She's really uh, headstrong, but really light and lighthearted as well. And we have Bashir on this crew, so she's got some... Uh, and Quark, of course, so she's got some DS9 compatriots. Yeah, let's go Dax. Okay, now that's great. That's a good choice, mate. Comms officer now. I'm really glad I'm going first here because I'm going Ahura, original and best. I'm going to go with actually Zoe Saldana's take on this. Mm, oh, so. wow. That's yeah. a big uh, big swing. Uh, yeah, just I think she's brilliant. She like, owns a role. I think she gets, gets a bit more to do with it, I think, yeah. as well, in, in those three films in the, in the JJ-verse. She was one of the best bits of casting, I think, mm-hmm. in the reboot. So, yeah, Uhura for me. What's it going to be, Matt? She was my number two, but number one... Well, for Bryce. Right. Oh, <laughs> son of a bitch. Yeah. yeah I was Bob. like, right. You know, Our old friend, Ronnie Rao Jr., who we interviewed on the podcast. We've always course. said, you know, well, you know, we love the guy. And we've, we always, and we've always said about a lot of the Discovery Bridge crew that need more to do. Uh, none, still needs more yeah, to do. Season four. Yeah. None, none more so than Bryce because, you know, we're a bit biased. But it, no, but I mean, I, seriously. He yeah. fucking deserves it. We've all watched Black Cop. Yeah. His performance in that is fucking searing. I'm like, how the fuck are you keeping him in the background? It's like a glorified fucking extra yeah. for three fucking seasons. He's a great actor. So, fucking bring him sounds out. Sounds like, right, now's, now's the chance. Yeah. Movie star Bryce yeah. is going in thing. this movie. On Next Gen, they would rotate the stories around the main bridge crew. Yeah. And yeah. they'd all get the moment in the sun. That does not happen. I think that's just, yeah. maybe that's just a byproduct of, you know, the old shows being that old world of 24 episode network seasons where they have to have all these different stories. Whereas now it's very much a rocket one story told over a few, you know. I think, you're, I think you're right. I think you can't write. I think that is something where actually the serialized storytelling of modern day doesn't actually suit a massive ensemble cast in a way mm. because in 24 episodes on a ship you could you would it's you would have out. to like roll round characters and everything like that it's like I'm actually watching loads of episodes of the bill at the moment and that's the <laughs> thing of like you know obviously that's a giant cast and it is just like one episode it's focusing on this character and the next episode will be a different character because there's that huge yeah. cast. And they had 2,400 episodes. Yeah, they had fucking thousands <laughs> 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 And it's like the same with like TNG and everything. Like you could just roll around. Even like fucking Barkley gets a moment in the sun. You know, yeah. From that. Like I'd love to see what episode 16 of 24 of a season of Discovery would look like under that old model and old, I don't know, timescale and budgetary mm. concerns and everything else. Not having to worry about the big picture all the time. Okay. Uh, yeah. Right, can you read me the communications list? Because I had <laughs> Bryce and Hura as my top two. Okay, so you have you get to pick from... I'm glad you went Bryce as well. Palmer from the... Who? <laughs> okay, well, if you don't know him, you're going to have Alden from Nowhere No Man's Gone Before. Who? <laughs> Okay, M. Ress from the t- original series. Oh! <laughs> these. Who the fuck are these? These are real characters. Okay, it's okay, one. It's one. Janice Rand, played by Grace Lee Whitney. She was like, uh, she was in original series, and then in four and. Six. Oh, is she like the one who brings Kurt T and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She was. Yeah, and then she was. She was in um, in six in, on the Excelsior crew as the comms officer. Hmm. So, oh, wow. so she was. She. That's right. Isn't she like what's that role? A yeoman. Yeoman, yeah. Okay, I'll have her. Janice Rand. Rand. Yeah, Janice Rand. Give her her moment. 
We didn't dwell too long on that one. Right, we are now in the most exciting category of the evening, which is now the villains, and we get to pick two villains here. See, I didn't realise we were doing a, a Batman Returns on this and picking two villains. Oh, so, yeah, yeah I kind of forgot and wrote cool. the story around. All right, well, who's going first? Really? So it's like you, can, you can maybe do a pre-title sequence with the other villain, like, you know, oh, yeah. sort of finish the last adventure, mm. you know, wrap it up that way. It could be a way of doing mm-hmm. it. Or it's just like they're kind of, you know, people that are doing a Catwoman-Penguin situation where, like, they'd be great mm-hmm. together. So, <laughs> villain number one, we have Matt... I'm taking the Borg Queen, baby. Borg Queen. Oh, so we do villain number one, then villain number two, right? Yeah, yeah. Borg Queen, number one. I hint of alien sex. I want you to choose the Borg Queen. Are we talking about the first contact Borg Queen? Yes, for sure, yes. It's um, Alice Krieger. Well, I don't think you've seen any of the others, have you? Like, no. So, She's yeah. Like four people by now. I mean, yeah. the Borg are definitely an interesting villain, so God, I, mean, I, I mean, I totally forgot because I wrote these down as like a first and second pick, like everything else, forgetting that we're having two picks. So the second villain's very ancillary, but I think I can work a way getting them in, but it depends what you guys pick. So let's see. I can see like Lex Luthor, Gene Hackman, being really good with the Ball Queen. Like, mm. <laughs> that would be a good, good pairing. But Liam, you get to choose next. Q. Q is your number one villain. I will have Q, yes. Wow, I need, I need Q. Played by John Delancey. Tell you John Delancey. Soon to return in Picard season two. Yeah. Probably my most anticipating about that show is more Q. Mm-hmm. A copy of Q. Did you watch this trailer yet? Yes. I've now watched the trailer, yeah. Yes. And I've seen the... your bullshit Q. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Guys, can you guess my number of my villain? Khan? Is it Khan? No. Oh. Osira! Oh, of course. Who I said you got to add. I, you had to add it. And it was you saying to add it, add her was right with the reason she became my number one. She is my favourite villain. Absolutely my favourite thing about season three of Discovery. It was so easy to take the ship. I almost thought that it was a trap at first. But then I realised Captain Saru wasn't on board, just an ensign with the con. Did you send Saru to Kamenar? You said you wanted to talk. Let's talk. What do you want? I want peace. I want the Emerald Chain to unite with the Federation. I'm gonna have to expand on that one. Every empire falls. It would be foolish to think that we can remain where we once were when we are out of Dilithium. I'm sure that Rin has already told you of our scarcity. He has. You have a spore drive that you cannot replicate. I have the most well-funded scientific institutions in the known galaxy. There is a deal to be made here. So much more could be done with her. I'm so sad she got thrown into a cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever hell happened to her. Like, you got pushed into the wall. Pushed into a wall. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, God, it's terrible. But now we get our second bite of the cherry for villain number two. <laughs> Liam, who's going to be Q's backup? I will share my pain. Cyborg. Cyborg. <laughs> Q and Cyborg. I actually think they're, they're a really cerebral pairing. This mysticism and Q's sort of like powers. It's like, that's interesting. That's a really cyborg? good mix. Well, the thing is, when I think of Cyborg now, I think of Psyduck from Detective uh, <laughs> Pikachu. Where, like, there's Cy- the anxiety ridden Psyduck. Like, I think of Cyborg. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a good choice. 
I'm going with the card clone played by our man Tom Hardy. Oh, oh, Shin, what's his name? Shinzon, but like, Shinzon. Yeah, so in my version, he's just to be like sort of the card clone, I think. But just thinking like young Tom Hardy, Asira together. Think of the mischief they can make. Exactly right. <laughs> my my backup was uh, F. Murray Abraham. <laughs> which would be interaction, isn't which it? Which would be my best actor winner, 1984. Yeah. And Matt, who's going who's gonna to pet your ball queen now? Uh, well, I'm going to throw in Mr. Nero. Nero! He's going to fire everything! <laughs> but he doesn't have a place in my story, so I'm going <laughs> to chuck him in somewhere. Okay, so that leaves me choosing my opposing forces and alien threats for this film or slash pilot. Could be Emerald Chain to oh, figure out the Emerald Chain. Yeah, it's uncharted territory, really. So, I think it's a it's a really good idea. I think it's that you met, you said it best. I think Matt in the episode of Super Citizen Fridge, like a, a race that were like formerly slaves have now power, and like how that could warp their perception about like mm. the way they act towards other species in the future. It's like we'll never want to be on bo- the bottom again. Yeah, and that conflict of like you know it makes them make makes them double down almost on their. Villainy. Mm-hmm. So who's next? We have got Matt. I'm gonna go with the Gorn. The Gorn. The Gorn. Gorn. Wow. So we have yes. some double fisted punch action from Tulu. <laughs> this will add a little extra sixties camp to the whole thing, but utilised probably in a more modern, sinister way. Okay. Cool. Mm-hmm. Liam. I choose the Klingon Empire. Wow. So. You've got two villains, neither of which are aligned with the Klingon Empire. I'm interested to see how this plays out. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, this is just who's just just yeah, yeah, I'm going full Joel Schumacher with it. <laughs> <laughs> now we finally pick our final category of this evening, which mm-hmm. is children and pets. Uh, Matt, you get to go first. Oh, great. Well, I'm going to take Porthos. Porthos the doggy. Because he's a cutie doggy. He is a cutie doggy. Who does he belong to in your ship? Um, I'm going to say Bashir. I'm going to say he's just, you know, chilling out in the medical bay, helping him out and stuff. Yeah. So he's somehow a bit, yeah, extended life, Porthos. He survived. Yes. Uh, outlived Archer. Yes, or Porthos, the, you know, the seventh generation. Porthos, the seventh. Um, so that means I got first pick on every single category. Some. By hook or by crook. Whoa. No, I yeah, because you pick, made shit picks, man. Nobody wants that. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone uh, wants Bryce. Who's next? Yeah. yeah. I will pick... She's a queen! Grudge. Grudge <laughs> the cat. Yeah. Probably the most obvious pick of the night. <laughs> which means... I'm actually going to switch my second pick here. I'm going to go Livingston the Picard's fish. Uh, <laughs> based on David Livingston, the yeah. uh, oh, most yeah, he is named after David Livingston, most prolific Trek director, also one of our guests. There you go. So, I'm, we're going to break for a couple of minutes now to decide on our titles. Are we well, going to do the thing of using words from previous titles, um, film titles? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Okay, I got one. I got one. So now we've made our picks for our titles, we're going to do our pitch, just describing like the acts of our, either it's going to be a film or a pilot, and uh, what we're going to do is put up on Twitter to pick the winner from these three. So, um, oh my I mean, god! 
we can probably just randomize ourselves which will be like the most anyway and see what we want to see make to the screen what's going to get the green light tonight <laughs> I mean doing? everyone's pitching a Star Trek film these days one of these might have a chance yes <laughs> yeah, yeah, swooping so. in stealing Tarantino's spot so have we got that dice still let's just go for like who's going to go first so five for Pete me it's looking good fucking two. two again it's the two over here roll everything five baby okay so between me and Liam oh we're doing that Cider roll. Six. Oh, oh fucking hell, mate. Six. <laughs> Six. <laughs> a new pair of shoes, yeah. Great. Five, okay, so I go yeah. first with my Fidgelamp pilot. Yeah. Voyage beyond the final frontier. <laughs> oh, nice. uh, okay, good, good, good. Like Cisco and his crew are too late to stop an emerald train occupation of a former Federation colony. As the Federation expanded in the wake of the Romulan Empire's collapse, it's found that the New Worlds under its banner are less interested in paying their bit to keep the United Federation planets running. After a blatant display of aggression by the foremost capitalist power in the quadrant, the emergency congress of the Federation takes place in Kitma. Several members announce they are leaving it's more lucrative to hire Emerald Chain Protection, and Starfleet is spread to Finn to protect them. Starfleet needs to secure its future, and especially the Enterprise on a secret mission to heist Dilla from required to keep the fleet running. Sisko refuses to take the solder, and his first officer, Saru, as take command, he feels the very existence of the Federation at stake and will compromise to protect the plants that are still left. Saru, I think this works for him because he's like, you know, knows what it's like to be a, a species on the run. And I think Cisco could probably like have a problem with this. But at the mine plant, the hike as well. But whilst they're away, a massive incursion in the Federation space has seen many plants subjugated. The Starfleet outposts that are meant to be protecting have given up fighting and there's no stopping them from reaching Earth. The Enterprise races back to the system to help with the evacuation. It's a race against time to prepare a rearguard action to buy escape time for the remains of Starfleet and the people they can save. Some of the crew split up and captured, like uh, I had O'Brien, but I'm going to have to say LaForge, <laughs> who gets hard time! <laughs> oh no, not LaForge. Uh, <laughs> Interchangeable! Interchangeable. <laughs> so our chief villains in this like, big scheme in the Iron Chain are Syra and the Picard clone. That's uh, uh, lovely Tom Hardy. Mm -hmm. uh, well into each other, and using the knowledge of Starfleet to break through systems, defences. Asari does lots of weird kinky shit when she captures one of the crew. It's a reverse Jabba the Hutt scenario where she has like a man <laughs> on a leash. I think it actually going to be dark Tom Hardy on a leash. It's going to be really hot. So, <laughs> final act. The Enterprise leads the survivors towards the wormhole and have to have a big battle to break through the systems there. But once they get through, they manage to collapse the wormhole down to return to liberate the lost quadrant. And it ends on a cliffhanger. Wow, that's the end of the episode. That's the end of the um, the movie. The, the pilot. pilot episode. And I think what we've got here is essentially like an allegory, as Star Trek always does. I want Earth to be Kabul in this situation. Mm. And I feel like the Starfleet is the UN where like basically members like the United States just go, oh, that's too expensive to keep paying for this. You've ended on a cliffhanger because then they, they've got to give you a series. Well, that's it. I think, I think we've got like Cisco obviously rejoins his ship. And what period are your characters from in this? Oh, well, I think it's going to be, well, it's going to be post-Nemesis, where post -Nemesis. I, think, I think, but pre-Bacard, okay. where you've got, like, the Roman Empire is kind of collapsing and there's a void of power. Is it me next? It is you next. Okay, all right. So mine is called Star Trek, the final insurrection. <laughs> <laughs> so, Captain Jean-Luc Picard is captaining the USS Vengeance. This is Picard Generations era. Ooh, Picard, okay. right? Yeah, it's captaining all the time. Yeah, he's captaining, <laughs> he's captaining the USS Vengeance on his peace mission. When suddenly, <laughs> <laughs> out, of, out, of, out of nowhere, Cybok is being aboard under control of Q. 
right, okay? <laughs> and obviously Q could do whatever the fuck he wants. So there's no control, Cody. So suddenly he's beamed in. Miles O'Brien's there going on, what the fuck's going on? Going like, yeah. Cybot <laughs> immediately runs up to the bridge, right? Straight in. Literally confronts Picard and batters the shit out of him. <laughs> so whatever happens, Picard's getting the shit kicked out. I mean, literally, this is generations Picard, so he can get battered by anyone. He can get right? defeated okay. by a rock. So, so literally, he just walks in, batters the fuck out of him. That's it. Picard's out, out for the fucking count, on the deck, unconscious, battered. He gets kind of dragged out to the medical bay. Picard so- fans up and up there. <laughs> and Cybok takes command oh, of the ship. And he's just kind of like, look, I am brother of Spock, and from that, so officially I am captain by the official sibling rules of Starfleet. <laughs> uh, sounds like the House of Lords. <laughs> we'll allow it. House of Starfleet. He takes over and takes command. Ash Tyler, who is security officer, thinks about kind of, you know, challenging on this, but the Klingon side of him, the yeah. dominant Klingon side of him respects him too much for defeating Picard in physical conflict. And he's just kind of like, right, you know what? He deserves my respect because he battered Picard. And actually, maybe he does deserve to be captain because that would be the Klingon way. Kind of thing. So he's he's fighting with his Klingon side. He's trying to go like, I should be stopping but the Klingon side says, no, look, he's he's battered for cards. That that's it. And he's like, oh, okay, alright, I've got to, I've got to obey him, kind of thing. Like, yeah. Meanwhile, first officer Michael Burnham is like, right, I'm not having this. It's mutiny time. I love a mutiny. So this is perfect opportunity. I'm gonna organise a mutiny to take the ship back. So she goes off to do that and starts bringing people over to her side. Meanwhile, Cybok reveals that his mission as powered by Q because Q is frustrated of Picard's fallacy of never confronting the Klingons properly. So in this situation, it's like the Klingons are like, you know, uh, the Joker to Picard's Batman. He has never kind of pulled the pin and just taken them out when he should have. And Q in his grand malevolence is just kind of like, you know, actually you should just kill the Klingons. You just fucking kill them. Why don't you? So, Cybot gives the orders. We're heading straight to the Klingon Empire to wipe them out. Meanwhile, Michael is trying to recruit people to her side. So she manages to recruit Tom Paris, Janice Rand, and Miles O'Brien to her mutiny crew to kind of take the ship back. Meanwhile, McCoy... Uh, the doctor of the ship, drunk on his overlaced Tennessee baked beans, yeah. uh, <laughs> attends to Picard and kind of like gradually tends to his wounds and tries to look after him. Meanwhile, we're heading to the Klingon Empire and Cybok plans full Klingon genocide and he wants all weapons prepped for this moment, I think, because he's under control by Q. Picard is eventually kind of recovers in the med bay because obviously, you know, McCoy's got access to lots of future medical tech, so he kind of manages to get Picard back on his feet pretty quick. But although the physical wounds are healed, the mental wounds are not. And Picard, after getting brutally battered by Cybot, it feels really, really bad about himself and is kind of like questioning his own right to be captain. So he goes down to 10 forward, 
to kind of you know, have a drink, a lovely bottle of Mirage uh, with Guinan, you know, to try and kind of, you know, just drown his sorrows. And he just believes he hasn't got a right to be a captain anymore. So he's down getting drunk on Mirage. Meanwhile, we're heading ever closer to the Klingon Empire at the moment. Literally, battle strategies have been drawn up. But as this is being done, and Cybot reveals that full Klingon genocide is planned, that's when Ash Tyler starts to think, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> this wrong, is. Bet the wrong horse. Yeah, I'm not too sure about this. I'm not too sure. Maybe I shouldn't do this. Meanwhile, Guy is trying to cancel Picard and saying, you know, you should, you should get back. You're meant to be the captain. You should get back on board, I think. But he's just absolutely despondent. We to cancel, like, you know, just like, <laughs> you're over. Yeah, so Guinan comes up with a plan at the end of the day. She is hosting the first open mic night in Templewood. <laughs> and Data, with his new humour chip, is determined <laughs> to get up board and try his hand at stand-up comedy. And so Guinan gets him top of the bill and he comes on and he does like, you know, five minutes of pure data stand-up comedy. Picard watches and he's just like, what the fuck is this? And there's a, it's my new human chip captain. He said, well, it's shit. <laughs> and storms out a Templewood. And storms out a Templewood in disgust, determined to take the shit back. Picard heads straight to the Starfleet gym and works out. He has a full training montage. <laughs> oh, yeah, they literally work out. So now we go from generations to Picard to first contact, vest and guns for card. At the end of the day, he comes out fully pumped, ready to fucking take Cyborg on and heads straight to the bridge. So meanwhile, he runs in to the, uh, the <laughs> mutiny. Well, this is a movie, feature length. He, <laughs> <heads underneath bottle. laughs> he, he runs in to Burnham, Paris, Janice Rand and Miles O'Brien who are playing to take the ship back, ready. And so they head together, they join forces, and Picard is now leaving, leading the mutineers to take the ship back. Meanwhile, Cybok, under control of Q, has arrived at the Klingon Empire and attacked. At this point, Ash Tyler reacts, because he's like, look, my fucking Klingon wife and baby are down there and everything like that, I'm not having this. All my girlfriends. So he, 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 so he rebels. And he's just kind of like, Cyborg, I'm going to kill you if you don't stop this attack. But Cyborg's planned for this already. And he turns around two red shirts, so two pussy to kind of like rebel against him. And he's just like, right, that's it. Kill Ash Tyler. And they are about to do it. Yeah. They're about to do it. Where suddenly, Picard and his mutineers burst in and take back the ship. Cyborg is sent to the brig. But... It's too late. They've already fired on the Klingon fleet. And obviously, once Klingons are fired on, that's it. There's no negotiating with them. They've been fired on, and they're just like, rice war then. Right, okay? And they literally turn around. Oh, and Kirk, start a war. The, the entire Klingon Empire is firing <laughs> on the USS Vengeance. That's it. And although the USS Vengeance is built for war, at the end of it, this is like the entire Klingon fleet. It's an all-out attack, and so literally, they have to give it everything they've got literally USS Vengeance, all their weapons, kind of like everything like that. They try and negotiate out of it, but they can't at first. Eventually, eventually, Ash Tyler, because he's got Klingon connections, managed to get through the Klingons and kind of make a peace, peace deal, kind of thing, and say, look, it was a mistake. We got taken over and everything like that. Like, you know, and he managed to get through to them. 
But by this point, Picard has already been killed <gasps> in the battle. Peace is won, but at a cost. Sacrifice. Exactly, exactly. Meanwhile, Cybok gets in an escape pod and kind of launches himself at the Klingon fleet in a suicide bombing kind of like scenario and wipes out the entire Klingon fleet. <laughs> and they literally with a nuclear, like fucking nuke, like just fucking wipes all out at the end of the day. And that's it. So they're all dead. And so the USS Vengeance is the last ship standing. And it's all okay apart from Picard is dead. But now they need to promote a new captain. And then Q comes down. It's obviously his, his plan has been thwarted. He's not happy with this. So he's like, all right, I've got to throw a new spanner in the works here. And he turns around and he says, oh, you need a new captain, do you? And literally he uses his powers to promote Grudge the Cat to captain. <laughs> uh, is it a grudge if promoted and is made I'm captain? very happy with that. And idea. Grudge meows straight on into <laughs> <laughs> warning and they go off into Sometimes. the... With his little yeah. paw going. Yeah, and it's like, he goes, meow, engage. Like, uh, <laughs> and they go to warp. So that's pretty fun. That's a, that, that's a film. Uh, <laughs> now, Matt, like, uh, we are going to see now Captain Zulu's adventures. In Star Trek The Undiscovered Darkness. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this is a bit all over the place, really. And I was reading it back, and it felt just like one massive third act. So I've tried to throw a bit at the beginning. You mean a JJ movie? <laughs> yeah. JJ <laughs> will be directing this. So, Zulu, now Captain of Excelsior... He leads Starfleet in deposing a returned Nero as head of the near-extinct Romulan. So it's around... Oh, uh, some ideas. Yeah, post-Romulus uh, destruction, because Nero's getting out of control. So I imagine it's a timeline where Nero, as angry as he is in Star Trek 9, doesn't go back in time. He does this instead. So he's been getting more and more warmongery. Sulu steps in and kind of puts an end to that. And so Nero vows revenge as Sulu is uh, decorated. He gets a lot of praise from Starfleet. Perhaps that's when he becomes... Nobel Peace Prize. Yes. And uh, yeah, there's a great scene where he has a kind of catch-up drink with uh, old Captain Kirk, who has his cameo here, uh, who warns him that you know leadership has consequences and it's not always going to be this easy. So Nero is exiled to places unknown. So now they're flying around in the Excelsior and they come afoul of the Borg Queen, who is isolated from her hive mind Borg compatriots and piloting a Borg cube solo. She is all alone. Because that's all the budget can afford. Yeah, one, yeah one, one Borg, please. So instead, she's controlling a nearby army of Gorn on a planet down mm. below. That'll come back in later. I, like I don't that. know how it fits in at this point. Um, <laughs> so. At this point, they don't realise that the Borg aren't around, and it is just a singular Borg queen. So she sort of calls their bluff over the comms, and Spock beams aboard the cube to check things out, and is quickly assimilated. Ooh! Um, and at the same time... That's the Borg right there. Yeah, and that's, yeah, but now it's Spock. And at the same time, the Borg queen unleashes a sort of technological uh, attack, like a cyber hacking attack on the Excelsior. And poor old Bryce comes off as a Bryce, gets taken over, he gets kind of mind wiped. And so he is now roaming around the ship, sabotaging the fuck out of it, 
So he storms into engineering, kills Torres, and stalls the Excelsior in space. So now they are stranded, floating around in front of this cube. So an away team of Worf, Dax, and Quark (laughs) team up to take Bryce down. So there's some first contact start action of, you know, die-harding around the ship for a bit. And they sort of capture Bryce, and Sulu manages to reverse engineer his brainwashing with help from Bashir, whilst Porthos looks on from his doggy bed. Yeah, so they kind of beam the the hacking thing backwards and fuck up the Borg cube, stranding that as well. So now both ships are floating around in space. Um, And at this point, they will still believe the Borg is the major threat here and uh, that it's not just the Queen. So they all beam down to the nearest planet where they find the exiled Nero. So he and Sulu have a fight with Sulu winning and Nero agrees to join their cause to defeat the larger threat. Um, as Nero's last remaining Romulan supporters are also subjugated by the Borg Queen. So they are also under her control, along with the native Gorn of this planet. So they fight off some mind-controlled Gorn, lots of double-fisted punches are thrown. While this fight's going on, there's kind of this big distraction. Worf has secretly beamed onto the cube uh, to free the Excelsior from um, its, its hacking attack at the cost of some red shirts. Um, (laughs) He tries to get them to find Spock, who is still somewhere on board, but uh, yeah, a lot of red shirts bite it instead. So then the only person pretty much left on the Excelsior while it had been in the kind of stranded floating state is is Hawk, who then, now he has power regained, he flies Excelsior straight into the Borg cube, beaming out last minute, but he ends up floating in space (laughs) through a hack transporter pod, which was Bryce's last handiwork while he was under ball control. So poor old Hawk beams and appears in space and immediately dies, but he has done a noble thing of crashing the Excelsior into the cube and screwing it up even more. Uh, Worf manages to find Spock and save him at the last minute and returns down to the planet where Spock fights back against the Borg Queen's influence. And then he faces off against the Borg Queen who's also down there, but before he can kill her, Nero turns turncoat and takes advantage of the weakened queen, gaining... We're not Winston this week, is he? <laughs> <laughs> gaining control of... Solo! Solo! <laughs> so he manages to gain control of his people again. So the Gorn are freed. Spock remains fucked up as part Vulcan, part Borg. Part human, I guess. So with the help of the now freed Gorn, they defeat the Romulans, and Sulu pits a rematch with Nero on the outcome of the conflict. So he says, right, let's have a rematch and let's um, settle everything, just you and me. Um, but in this rematch duel, Nero cheats at the last minute, but Quark has swapped his weapon out for a joke toy, giving Sulu the <laughs> upper hand. <laughs> so he spares him again, because Sulu is nothing if not honourable, and they all walk to the nearest settlement. Takei or Cho Sulu? I'm going to say it's Takei Sulu, so a kind of more seasoned, older Captain Sulu. Spock, I'm going to go Quinto Spock. Okay. Perversely. Bashir, Monday Bashir, as we've said. Classic Worf, classic Torres. First contact Quark. Quark is Quark. Yeah. Quark is Quark. Yeah, Dax and Bryce, everyone else is who they are. Nero, still Banner. Porthos is Porthos. Very good. Yeah. I like yeah. it. I mean, I like it's, it. it's just a third act. That's yeah. Just, like, it's just shit kicking off <laughs> from beginning to end. Yeah, so very good, though. Three very there you good. go. That's the bottom I, episode I, movie, but it's all... Real time, perhaps. Yeah, but beginning. I think it's um, you know, it's good that we kind of stuck to like Starbuck's core characteristics of like exploration and peace mm-hmm. in our three stories. Um, <laughs> 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 and just like wall to wall action. <laughs> <laughs> I 
and uh, and destruction. But I have Desert Eagle. So you've you got the choice, our listeners. Voyage Beyond the Final Frontier from Paul, uh, Star Trek The Final Insurrection from Liam, or Star Trek The Undiscovered Darkness from Matt. Make your choice and make it wisely because it will not be made. <laughs> Choose the final instruction. There is no comparison. <laughs> There's no comparison. Well, I hope you've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Good. Really, really good fun. And yes, make your own drafts. Make your own Star Trek drafts. And I say, send them in and tell us which characters you were sad that we left off. But it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed this. I really just enjoyed being back together with you guys around the table, like doing this. Yeah, this, you know? this episode would not have been, I think, even possible trying to do remote for this one. No. The amount no, of uh, no. yeah, dice rolling impossible. and turn taking and breaks for rewrites. Yeah, this was great. A great return to in person recording. Yeah, we're going to be doing this as often as possible. Obviously, it won't always be possible unfortunately in the current climate but you know we would definitely be trying to do more we do have uh, at least one more coming up yeah because we, we, we've yeah. we've missed this we've missed it so uh we will be back with another episode focusing on some aspect of the star trek universe we never quite know what's coming next but yeah look forward to that and until then it's goodbye from me liam love me paul and me matt vengeance